story eleven part two of around the yule log by willis boyd allen this librivox recording is in the public domain story eleven through the storm part two when florence amory opened her eyes the next morning she was at a loss for some minutes to determine her own position in the great white world that lay around her then the events of the preceding night marshalled themselves into line one by one and at the same time came the consciousness that she possessed a head a most unmanageable one too it danced and whirled in such an uncomfortable way that she was glad to shut her eyes once more presently the sound of an old-fashioned coffee-mill with its unwilling halts and sudden compliances fell upon her ear in such close proximity that there was no mistaking the character of the adjoining room a moment or two later the crushed berries sent through the keyhole a delicious whiff of aroma that spread itself through the room encouraged by this appeal to two of her senses the girl once more took a survey of her quarters a narrow bedroom with just space enough beside the high-posted bed on which she lay to permit one person to pass a chest of drawers with shining brass handles that tinkled faintly in response to footsteps in another part of the house one or two straight-backed chairs these completed the furniture of the room with the exception of a small looking-glass one corner gone a frame washstand and a tiny yellow table the windows were hung with green paper curtains just as she finished this journey round the room her head took another flight and was hardly down again when the door opened softly and the cheery face of lisbeth peeped in seeing that the stranger was awake she advanced to the bedside and bent over the flushed face upon the pillow how'd you sleep she inquired softly brushing aside a stray lock or two of brown hair as a mother might have done from the tired young forehead not very much i'm afraid i'm not much rested my head doesn't feel quite right and she tried to smile well this woman had a strong comfortable way of beginning her sentences with that monosyllable which seemed to put quite out of sight all doubts and difficulties in the way and carried with it a conviction that everything was coming out just right well there's nothing in the world to do but to say just where you be your folks ain't up yet and won't be this two hours i'm going to brown you a piece of bread and the tea'll be ready by the time that's done it's drawn now front of the fire oh indeed i must get up the children land the children can dress themselves or their mother'll help em if they need anything don't you say another word dear but just shut your eyes and think about something easy dandelions in a clover field say or bird singing long towards night the firm steps turned away and again began their journeyings up and down the floor of the adjoining room florence closed her eyes willingly enough and lay perfectly quiet with a sense of being cared for such as she had not felt since she left her own home the morning light showed dimly through the frosty little panes behind the green curtain upon the old-fashioned bureau she could just see as she glanced up wearily now and then the shape of her tall brass candlestick with its tall stalactites of tallow hanging from the upper rim the footsteps plodded to and fro pots and pans occasionally interjected a staccato note above the soft purring of the fire and the hum of the tea-kettle 
then another pair of boots joined the first evidently a man's but managed with wonderful care so as not to disturb the visitors pretty soon the door opened once more and lisbeth entered bearing a small japanned tray upon which were set a plate of toast in tiny slices a steaming cup of tea and a sugar bowl with its silver tongs slim but solid now dear a bit of this will do you good but i'm not hungry no poor child i didn't suppose you would be well comfortably again suppose i butter a piece of toast the littlest piece just for you to taste maybe twill make you sleepy there was no resisting that and the feverish girl did manage to take a very wee lunch from the motherly fingers then she fell back among the pillows exhausted if you can jest catch a gnat now said lisbeth in a whisper as if her charge were already in danger of being waked it'll do you lots of good the toast and the hot tea in lisbeth's whispers must have had a soothing effect for florence soon dropped into an uneasy slumber throughout which however she had a continual sense of heat and discomfort when she awoke it was broad day the world was as silent as a dream to ears accustomed to the roar of a city and the cries and laughter of children at play the stillness was not a mere negative quality of the air an absence of sound it was an almost tangible thing and florence felt smothered beneath its folds she pressed her hand to her head and found it burning hot her pulse was throbbing fiercely through her tender wrists mrs eldridge she called faintly she had heard Elizabeth so addressed by the driver the night before the soft rustle of a woollen dress and the firm now familiar footfall were heard at once in a moment more the elder woman was holding the hand of the younger i believe i am afraid i am going to be ill well miss amory if you be you shall be well taken care of i'll tend ye myself nights and if there's anything you want that can be got why elsie'll get it for you and is there a physician oh yes m elsie's gone for one now they'll be here in an hour or two in all this snow oh we don't mind that ma'am get used to it you know the road's been broke out clean up to the village they say so does the pong'll go well enough where are mrs walton and the children and please don't call me ma'am lisbeth smiled good-humouredly i won't if you won't call me miss eldridge t always makes me feel as if i must talk just so straight when anybody calls me that my name's lisbeth and if you'll call me so why i'll call you florence the boy told me your name and so we'll feel better acquainted oh the others why they went along up the hill to spend christmas with their folks about noon to-day she said you was to stay here till you felt better if we could keep you and we can that night florence was worse and the succeeding days and weeks were but so many chapters of feverish fancies and hot throbbing pain the sun climbed higher and the snow-banks sank lower day by day but she knew nothing of them her world was square her sky a dingy white her surroundings the changing forms of a disordered dream the grey-haired country doctor had peered at her through his spectacles and made the motions of a typhoid with his lips to lisbeth florence had seen it under her half-closed eyelids but was too weary to care much so january came and went 
and after it february before she found herself inclined to take the slightest interest in anything outside of those four walls with their faded large-figured paper it was a warm delicious day in early march one of those foretastes of spring which in new england match the indian summer of late autumn the green curtain swayed slightly back and forth as the sweet south wind crept in through the crannies of the old warped window frame a song sparrow perching on the fence just outside sang his contented little easter hymn over and over until the sick girl felt herself being drawn back to life once more and life seemed beautiful elizabeth was sitting in the kitchen with the door half open between and florence could hear the soothing creak of her chair as she rocked gently to and fro at her knitting presently she called mrs eldridge the creaking stopped instantly and health and life embodied in elizabeth entered the room well dearie feelin a little better ain't you yes ma'am gratefully i want to know if you please about things that have happened since i have been ill oh that's a short story mrs walton and the children went back to the city six weeks ago and left you in my charge and it's precious little trouble you've been for my part i'd rather take care of ten women all sick with the typhus than one man with a headache florence smiled faintly and then she said i haven't heard so many footsteps in the kitchen lately have any of your family gone oh, bless you no that's only because elsie's made a pair of slippers to wear about the house so as not to wake you when you've caught a sleep how very kind can i see elsie soon i should so like to be read to a little bit why yes i suppose so said elizabeth rather doubtfully i don't know's there be any objection oh that reminds me elsie was over to the corner early this morning and brought these flowers there's a greenhouse there where they keep them growing right through the winter seems as if they might have been a little brighter now don't it while she was talking she stepped into the next room raising her voice as she went and returned with a china vase painted gaudily on one side and containing a loose cluster of cut flowers florence noticed at the first glance that they were so arranged as to bring the unpainted side of the vase in front at the second that they had been chosen thoughtfully one or two dark heliotropes white pinks and a creamy half-opened rose with slender ferns for a background that was all i was going to tie the stems up with a piece of spring but elsie would have it they'd wilt quicker and would look kind of soft besides you was to take out one of the pinks to hold in your hand if you liked they last longer than the rest so the dainty blossom with its folds within folds of whiteness was held between the slight girl fingers in no way less dainty and delicate than itself by a sudden impulse florence pressed it to her lips like a child you are all so good to me she said with quivering lips i'm not used to being taken care of please thank elsie for me and ask her to come in when she can spare the time mrs eldridge had been stooping to pick up a shred from the neat carpet and but half caught the words who'd you say oh elsie well i'll give your message just as she put it but elsie did not come the next day nor the next she began to seem to florence like some beneficent brownie 
doing all her good deeds before the household was awake and then disappearing until her services were again needed at last came the eventful day when the invalid was to be allowed to sit up for half an hour she had looked forward to the time with eagerness the old doctor who had a vein of grim humour about his white beard gruffly called her his little impatient but to tell the truth the stiff-backed chairs which she had thus far seen were hardly suggestive of luxurious rest they were built for well people men and women in that part of the country make but little reckoning upon sickness when it comes it is met with a stern and uncompromising resistance but the thought of humouring it by such compliances as reclining chairs never for a moment enters their heads it was therefore a genuine surprise when after an extraordinary amount of whispering and hurrying in the kitchen the door opened and assisted by lisbeth in walked a chair of such inviting proportions and soft padded curves that they plainly expressed themselves to the effect that they would be extremely miserable unless reclined upon and that speedily why where did you find that lovely chair cried florence delightedly i thought i should have to sit up just as straight oh we just made it up out of one of the old armchairs in the best room said the other surveying the luxurious piece of upholstery with pardonable pride you see elsie thought it all out and put us to work when you said you wanted to set up so we just stuffed the back and arms and elsie sawed off the hind legs and fixed that place for your feet in front and there you be five minutes later florence sat weak and trembling after her long inactivity in the comfortable chintz-covered chair with a great sense of achievement and a new hold on the realities of life now if i could only see elsie and thank her and what why tell her how much i thank her for all the trouble she's taken for me a queer look came into lisbeth's face and her eyes twinkled guess you'd better wait till to-morrow she said you'll feel stronger then and she can come in while you're settin up but why not to-day persisted the other with a convalescent's freedom well to tell the truth elsie's busy to-day outdoors and won't be in till you're abed again and then you ought to rest out of doors oh she'll tell you all about it to-morrow said lisbeth pursing up her mouth in the same funny way as before florence was too weak to pursue the subject further and presently was glad enough to lay her tired head upon the pillow once more the next morning the first object that caught her eye was a bunch of slender willow wands with their soft clinging pussies such as she had not seen since she was a child running about under the elms in the old quiet town by the sea the fresh sweet sunlight peeped through the window and rested on their grey fur creeping down from one to another and dancing in and out in the merriest manner possible as florence lay there beneath the old patchwork quilt watching this pretty play of sunshine and kittens and listening to the soft bustle of the morning's work in the next room a sense of great comfort and rest stole over her and in her weakness her eyes filled with happy tears whatever was troublesome in the past she forgot the future seemed as bright and yet as intangible as the sunbeams she only realized the watchful care and devotion that were hovering about her day and night 
and in the clear wholesome atmosphere her mother's religion seemed nearer to her than ever before her favourite verse return unto thy rest o my soul was written in sunny characters upon the faded wall before her then she began to wonder how it would seem to meet the other members of the family the shrill voice of the old man she had often heard but she had listened in vain for some snatch of song or girlish footfall which might belong to the gentle elsie whose unseen ministrations were always attending to her comfort as for the sturdy young fellow who had borne her so lightly through the snow she had heard him once or twice only speaking to lisbeth in low tones or calling cheerily somewhere outside to a passing neighbour he must at least live here she thought but has probably forgotten all about me breakdowns are common enough in the country and the women folks always have to be carried through the drifts still she could not help wondering a little who he was and where he learned that slow quiet speech with its correctly placed adverbs and adjectives she at last concluded that he must be a neighbour in rather better circumstances than her hostess perhaps one of the proud hill folks whom mrs walton was to visit how they must have laughed over the adventure as they sat about their loaded tables on christmas day could he not have just called at the door and inquired for her during all these long weeks of suffering then the colour came faintly to her cheeks she was a dependent a servant how could she expect such attentions the old rebellious uprising of her whole nature was beginning to assert itself once more when lisbeth's soft knock was heard at the door and lisbeth herself immediately appeared while the sunbeams which had somehow hidden behind a cloud just before danced in through the window again to meet her now dear for breakfast the pullets have just begun to lay and elsie's been out and found a nest in the haymow where that little plymouth rock was a cacklin yesterday look she held up the warm coffee-coloured egg as she spoke how you have it cooked boiled well i'll do it just right and show you how to take off the lid with a knife and eat it out of the shell father always has his that way florence smiled in spite of herself at being treated so like a child that's right continued elizabeth briskly don't you go to feelin solemn for it's going to be a grand day and as for time to come why all i say is don't worry you're as welcome as the flowers of may and i'd love to have you around you remind me of a little sister i had once and-and yes i'm coming and elizabeth guilty for the only time in her life of a downright deception hurried out of the room pausing however to shut the door gently behind her breakfast over and the ceremony of enthronement in the easy-chair performed florence with spirits quite recovered again recurred to elsie now lisbeth she said gaily please hand me the longest pussy willow stem for a sceptre and i will give audience to my subjects where is elsie and a part two